You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Can you give it up for Kyle? It's uh, just FYI, announcements aren't the most fun things to have to talk about. So we realize that you hate listening to them, but just know that we hate talking about them. So we can agree to disagree or whatever that means. Anyways, um, we're glad you're here. Uh, Man, it's a packed house. Welcome to church, amen. Hopefully heaven is packed. Hopefully you're there and I'm there. (laughs) That'd be good. Oh, shoot. If you're a first time guest, welcome to Renew Life Church. If you're a first time guest, would you just raise a hand and let us know like you're around? Man, that's awesome, welcome, super cool. Man, I love it. Uh, God is moving and shaking and doing some awesome things and so we're really, really honored that you would join us this morning. It's a, this is our home. We believe in the power of Jesus and we believe that he is worthy and uh, we worship for a long time, FYI, uh, because he's worthy. And what else would we do? Obviously we share the scriptures and obviously we pray but this, this gratitude of all that he's done for us, he's deserving of our heart and our, and our, our, a song to come out of us that says, Jesus, without you I have nothing. So, this is who we are, we're glad that you're here and uh, pray that you're blessed today. My name's Cody, I'm the campus pastor. Uh, for those that are new, we also have a church in Lubbock. Uh, there's a campus pastor and a whole team that is in Lubbock as well and um, God's moving and shaking. We are planning a church in Ireland which is really cool. Uh, our vision, seven churches uh, in this region. So Lubbock, Midland, Odessa, Abilene, Wichita Falls, Amarillo, and Roswell, New Mexico. Did I miss one? I don't think so. And uh, Ireland. (laughs) Ireland fits perfectly. (laughs) I don't understand what's weird about it. It seems so last week, uh, Blake, when he came, he's the, the campus pastor or he will be the campus pastor of Ireland. He's the youth pastor of Lubbock. Him, him and his wife are the ones that are actually going into Ireland. She's from Ireland. If you missed it, she has an incredible uh, Irish accent. She says things that you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. We put subtitles on the video so that we could read it and know what she was saying. You can watch the video. I think it's on YouTube or maybe on uh, social media. It's beautiful. She, she basically sat down and was like, Lord, what are you saying about Ireland? And he started speaking and she just started typing on her notes on her phone. And what is on the video is word for word what she felt like she heard from the Lord. She didn't change anything. And it is, it's really touching. And so, um, but last week when we announced uh, Ireland, he was like, did y'all say Idaloo? Because <laughs> it seems to fit the region. But uh, no, it's Ireland and, and God's moving. And uh, actually they are in Ireland right now scoping things out and just seeing what God's doing and moving and shaking over there, so really cool. Uh, I'm gonna do something really fast before I get into my message. Is anyone dealing with uh, uh, an Achilles injury? Are you having some pain in your Achilles tendon? Anybody? You are? Okay. Someone else? No? Perfect. Uh, You're like, what is happening right now? I'm new to this church and I don't know what's happening. Um, So the Holy Spirit was given to us when Jesus said he was gonna leave. He said it was for your benefit that I go away. First Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about how uh, he 
basically gives gifts unto men by the same spirit that is the Holy Spirit. One of those gifts is words of knowledge. Basically what a word of knowledge is is what it sounds like. It's a word from God that gives you or me, whoever he's speaking to, a knowledge about something that someone's dealing with in their body. You can go write 1 Corinthians chapter 12 if you believe I'm lying to you. I promise it's in there. Uh, He told us to pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, right? He said, obviously, especially that you prophesy, but he told us like, hey, desire spiritual gifts. And then he said this, he said, let it be for the, the, the church, the edification of the church that you seek to excel or that you seek to have spiritual gifts operate in your life. And so I'm, I'm giving you some understanding of what just happened. I felt the Lord, <laughs> y'all are fixing to be like, I was a first time guest. <laughs> I felt the Lord on my body as it in particular like in my Achilles tendon and I felt like he was saying you should know that there's someone in the room that's dealing with pain in this area. Why would he do that? Because he loves us. Because he, he's furiously in love with his, his kids. That's you. And so could we pray for you? Yeah. Um, would you, would, you, would you mind standing up? Give it up for her, she does. Come on. Hey, look at it. Would you just close your eyes and just extend your hands? Yeah, would you come and lay hands on her? Yeah. Mom, would you lay hands on her too? Yeah. Oh, that's all right. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray right now. Would y'all just begin to pray with me, church? Uh, Jesus, we pray right now that you would completely remove every bit of pain that is in this Achilles tendon. Whatever has taken place, wherever it has been potentially ruptured or sprained or strained, God, I thank you right now that you would uh, completely eradicate her body in the Achilles of pain. All inflammation and swelling completely leave right now. In Jesus' name, you've given us an authority as believers to lay hands on the sick and see the sick recover. And so we just declare recovery right now in Jesus' name over her body, over her Achilles tendon. I thank you, Father, that you're, uh, you're doing a mighty thing on the inside of her. I thank you that you are restoring right now full mobility. She has full range of motion with no pain. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, so tell me how it is. Is it about the same, is it better? It feels, so it needs to grow. So we should pray that it grows. Okay, can we pray again? It's good to pray the right stuff, you know? Okay. So we're not gonna pray that it shortens, we're gonna pray that it lengthens. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you would create growth in her body. I pray that you would lengthen her Achilles tendon, God. You're the creator. This is not beyond you. And I pray that there's an alignment that takes place in her body from her Achilles tendon into her knees and into her hip, God that the dislocation that once took place in her knee are no more. God, I pray, we pray as the church family 
for the miraculous to take place. The tension that she feels because it's too short be gone because it's too long or it's just the right length, God. I thank you, Father, that she runs and walks and her stride is exactly what it's supposed to be. That her gait in her stride is exactly what it's supposed to be, appropriate to her height and her leg length. God, I thank you that you would completely realign everything in her. Yeah, even the back problems that go all the way up into her shoulders and her neck, God, I pray that you would completely touch all of those too. From top to bottom, we release your power in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Awesome? Is it hurting? What, what are you feeling in your body right now? Like, what are you just feeling? Your knee doesn't hurt anymore. Come on, that's a good thing. That's awesome. Thanks for praying. Great job. You know that faith actually moves mountains. You know that? Did you know it says like a mustard seed of faith is all it takes? You ever seen a mustard seed? I haven't actually. <laughs> but I bet it's small. So thanks for praying. We're believing for complete, total healing and a great report. I had a really cool testimony I'd like to share. Um, so we prayed specifically on Friday night for Keely who was missing and she was returned home. Amen. It's awesome. Super, super cool. So she is safe and uh, she is home, which is a beautiful thing. So if you were praying and saw the things that were going on in social media and just the posters, thanks for praying as well. I can't quite imagine what that would have been like. And so uh, what a beautiful thing to have, have that happen. Uh, I'm gonna pray for our time and then I'm gonna dive into some scriptures. There's a lot of scriptures and I pray that I would be able to just kind of create a little bit of a roadmap of where I wanna take you. So Father, I thank you for helping us to hear, to receive, to see things in your scripture that sets us free. I ask Holy Spirit that you would be upon me, that I would speak words that uh, are your words and words that bring edification to the hearers. They impart grace, God. I think that in all of this, we would fall more in love with you. Look more, think more, talk more, and love more like you. We love you so much, Jesus. We pray these things in your name, amen. Amen. Over the years uh, at Renew Life Church, there have been some incredible things that have been spoken over our church, uh, one of which, uh, a, a man in particular, he spoke once and he said, um, he said that there's a time coming that at Renew Life Church, the Holy Spirit is going to move so mightily in signs and wonders that you'll have church every night of the week for months at a time. We're not there yet, but we're, go we're getting there. Uh, I can't imagine what church would be like every night of the week, but I'm ready. Uh, I'm praying for it. He also uh, shared a vision and he said, I saw this vision and in this vision was, there were planes full of people, but they weren't coming to Midland for oil. They were coming to Midland because God was here. I was raised in this town. I was born in this town. I am a Midlander and I would want nothing more than to see Midland, Texas set on fire by Jesus Christ himself. Amen. I know that our schools need it. I know that our workplaces need it. I know that our streets need it. I know that our families and our households need it. So I'm believing for a revival. And I was thinking last night as I was writing this message, uh, 
as I think about revival, and revival is simply just awakening, it's a spiritual awakening. But it was a, it was a year ago in February that for 16 days, 50,000 people came together to worship, to pray, and to press into God at Asbury. And then it occurred to me that I hadn't thought about Asbury since last February. And that kind of hurt me a little bit. Like, did we just see something? Was it just a flash in the pan? Or do we believe that God could actually do that here? I actually want to shift my focus and my attention into knowing that God actually wants to and can. Awakening is something that we Christians, we pray for. I think we pray for it for the people uh, in our houses, <laughs> especially when our kids are being knuckleheads, like Lord awaken them. <laughs> Maybe y'all don't have knuckleheaded kids, but mine are kids. They are pastor's kids, but they are like your kids. They have issues, because I have issues. <laughs> and some of the issues they have, I gave to them. So we're doing our best to reverse those. <laughs> we pray for awakening for people at work that bother us. Come on, like this is for real. We pray for our government officials for awakening because they actually really bother us, right? Like we pray for awakening for a lot of reasons and a lot of people. I wonder though, like how often are we praying for an awakening for ourselves? Like how often are you praying things like, Lord, wake me up out of my tolerance of things that you died for me to actually live in victory over? How often am I tolerating something that Jesus actually said, hey, you don't have to deal with that any longer, I took care of that on the cross. And how often am I praying, Lord, awaken me out of my sleep in this area of fear? Oftentimes I think it's just, it's, it's simple, like we pray for an awakening because we want someone else's life to change. Maybe not that they see the goodness of God, that they just actually start doing something better. <laughs> I think about it like this, Matthew chapter seven, verse 30, uh, three through five, he says it like this, and this resonated within me. He says, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but don't consider the plank in your own eye? Don't talk to me like that. <laughs> How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I want you to notice who has the, the speck in their eye and who has the plank in their eye. Everyone. <laughs> because at any point in time, you could have a speck and at any point in time, you could have a plank. In fact, I would say this. The speck becomes a plank when you're more concerned about exposing someone else's issues before you deal with your own. That's when the speck becomes a, a plank. And I believe this, I believe that the religious are blinding people in the name of I am right and you are wrong. So let me get the speck out of your eye, but I'm not going to deal with the thing that's in front of me. And in fact, in those moments, we're actually causing more pain than we're bringing healing. It's hard to experience an awakening or revival when the people praying for it are more concerned with fixing other people's issues while they themselves have weeds growing in their garden so big that now they just believe that they are trees of righteousness. And we gotta shift that. Religion will always delay revival. 
Revival doesn't take place out here until it takes place in here. A revival's not going to break out in Midland, Texas until a revival breaks out in your heart. He actually is wanting us to actually come into this place of full surrender to everything about him, his word, his will. And so today I wanna talk through I wanna talk through a surrendered heart because I believe that if we're going to see the things that have been spoken over our area, we're gonna see the things that have been spoken over our church, it's actually gonna take us having a surrendered heart, amen? So if you would and you have a Bible, uh, open it to Isaiah chapter 66 with me. Uh, If you didn't bring a Bible, you can look up here. I would encourage you to get in relationship with your Bible, write in your Bible, take notes in your Bible, highlight things in your Bible, learn the Bible. It's really, really good for you because he said it is him. Right, amen? So, Isaiah chapter 66. Y'all with me? Amen? We're good? Y'all are quiet, okay. I'm just gonna let you be quiet and we're not gonna pick on you. It says, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one I will look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. He says, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool, but where is the house that you will build me? In other words, I don't wanna just live in heaven and I don't wanna live on the earth. What I'm actually looking for is a heart, a contrite spirit, a humbleness that will actually say, I'm preparing a place for you to actually rest on the inside of me. That's what he's looking for. In fact, he, he, he says, I have two criteria as I search for a home on Zillow. <laughs> the filters are a poor and contrite spirit and someone who trembles at my word. In other words, someone whose heart has been subdued or arrested or in full surrender to the word of God and to what he says his will is in his word for your life. That's actually what a contrite, a contrite spirit is. It's someone that knows that without God they have nothing can do nothing and earn nothing. A contrite spirit actually doesn't have a side God. You know, like side hustle seems to be a thing. For some people they have side chicks, I don't know, hopefully not in here. But you can't have a side God, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) They're like, really, I'm never coming back to this church now. I was a one-time guest. First and last. But it's true, like I've said this many times, but God didn't send Jesus to die for you so that one day he would have to share custody of you with another God. Maybe it be money, maybe it be fame, maybe it be women, maybe it be work. He didn't die, Jesus didn't die so that he could share you with your job. He didn't die so that you could say, hey, on Sunday, Jesus, I'm actually going to make room in my heart for you. But the rest of the week, I'm on visitation with my job. 
or I'm on visitation with her, or I'm on visitation with the money that I can make and the things that I can do with my money. I believe that, this is probably fixing to be interesting. Um, I believe God's going to eliminate some people's options. Not because he doesn't love you and not because he doesn't want you to have job options, because he's actually searching for people that would actually be in full surrender to him. He didn't die so that you could have, uh, so that he could share custody. It's not a building that God is looking for when he says he will prepare a home for me. He created the most beautiful place called the Garden of Eden in Genesis, in the very beginning. And he had this beautiful thing that he had made and it was incredible and it was, it was heaven on earth, but then, he, then he, he made man and he made woman so that he could share it, why? Because he's a God of relationship. If you backtrack all the way before there were rules, before there was law, before there was religion, he said, I'm going to create a space and then I'm gonna create people so that they'll have relationship, intimacy with me. He is a God that desires you to be with him and he wants to be with you. It's the beauty of God. He says, on this I will look, on him who is of a poor and contrite spirit and the one who trembles at my word. To tremble at his word means that you have a reverence for his very word. You have a belief system that when this is spoken, you're actually hearing God himself. Like I'm hearing you. When the word is read, Jesus said in the beginning was the word. Y'all remember this in John chapter one. And the word was God and the word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. This we see in black and white and sometimes red, it is actually Jesus himself. I didn't make that up, scripture said that. When I tremble at his word, that means that I'm giving weight to his word. I'm actually hearing his word and it's actually moving me from here to there. It's shifting my emotional state. It's shifting, it's, it's actually causing me to find myself on a firmer foundation. That's what it means to tremble at his word. I believe we should ask ourselves this. Does the truth of the word shake me like a bad report shakes me? Let me just think about this for a second. When I hear the scripture, when I hear the word about his goodness and his love for me, does it shake me like I'm shook when I get a bad report from a doctor? I don't know if you're human like me, but sometimes when I get a bad report, it does something to my insights. It makes me uneasy. It makes me act maybe even out of character. It actually messes me up. My wife's not here today because she's got a stomach bug. When I got the report from her that you needed to come home, I don't feel good. Nothing gets her down and then it got her down. It shook me up a little bit. I have to ask myself, Cody, does the word of God shake you like a bad report shakes you? And if it doesn't, then maybe I'm just living in fear, not in faith. In fact, I've heard it said like this, fear is faith in the wrong God. My question to myself and to you would be, have you made a house for the word of God to rest or have you made a house for fear to rest? I'm 
I promise you I'm asking you, me all the same questions that I'm asking you. My toes are stepped on too. Amen. We can have bruised toes together. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. He says this, for thus says the high and the lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. With him, this is who he dwells in the high and holy place with. With him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. This sounds so much like Colossians chapter three to me. In Colossians chapter three, verses one through three, he says this, therefore, you have been if you have been raised with Christ to new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things of the earth, which have only temporal value. For you died to this world and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. This is a picture of what happened at the moment that you surrendered your heart to Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says that the old things pass away. We know these things if you've been in church for a while. When you gave your life to Jesus and he caused your spirit to be reborn, he says the old things have passed away, meaning there is a, an identification that something died. That was your old spirit, man, your old way of living. And he says, behold, all things have become new. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, all things have become new. This is speaking of this resurrection that he was talking about, that if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, you old, Pat, old died, new came, you've, you're living in resurrected life now. There is a newness about your spirit. There is nothing wrong with your spirit, man, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ. It is as perfect as it's ever going to get. And he says, and from that place, what I want you to now do is I want you to focus your attention, I want you to focus your thought life on things that are above and not things that are beneath. But what we read a while ago in Isaiah 57 is, he said, I am seated in the, the high holy places with who? The ones of a contrite and humble spirit. Meaning, I, I am seated in the place with the people who have said, Jesus, I give you everything that I have. Jesus, I ask you to take up residence in me. I've prepared my heart. I have softened it. Would you just actually come and live on the inside of me? And he says, yes, I will. I want you to just focus your attention on the things that are high, not the things that are below. I want you to understand, and he says this, that for you died in that moment to your old way of living. And because of new life, your new life is hidden with Christ in God, in the high and in the holy place. But it takes a humble and contrite spirit. I hope you are getting this. He lives in the high place and in the holy place and he is, he is beckoning and calling us to actually reside there. I'm gonna go a little further, y'all okay? Okay, Psalm 51, verses 15 through 17. I'm gonna read out the Amplified Version. I'm just. Once again, I'm just trying to give you some scriptural reference for what Jesus is actually looking for and who he builds his house in. 
He says this in Psalm 51, verses 15 through 17. He says, O Lord, open my lips, that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, or else I would give it. And you are not pleased with burnt offering. My only sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, broken with sorrow for sin, thoroughly penitent. Such, O oh God, you will not despise. That is what he looks for. This broken humbleness that says, without you I have nothing. That's what's acceptable to him. I wanna read some scripture to you and I just want you to just engage with me. You can look on the screen. As I was reading uh, Psalm 51 and talking just through like how he doesn't desire sacrifice and he doesn't desire burnt offering, it prompted me to remember something in, in Hebrews chapter 10. I wanted to read the beauty of what Jesus did when he submitted to the will of God for his life on your behalf. Hebrews chapter 10 verse one, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of things, can never with the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers, once purified, would have no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he, speaking of Jesus, came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. And then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and the offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. What he's talking about in that moment, he says, I'm taking away the law so that I can establish the second covenant, which is a covenant of grace that says, because of everything that Jesus did on the cross and your belief in that, you are in right standing with God. Verse 10, he says, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. And Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered once one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, where at? In the high and the holy place. From that time, waiting till his enemies were made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws into their hearts and in their minds, I'll write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. That's good news. 
Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, speaking of Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised, he is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you do to see the day approaching. Jesus, he says, you didn't, in the Old Testament, you, you actually didn't desire sacrifice, you didn't desire burnt offering. And so what I've come is I'm actually, I've actually come to fulfill the will on my life that is your will and I'm going to die once for all. And so now our only appropriate response in sacrifice is a heart that is broken and humbled before him. That is the only thing that he's asking of you. He's asking that you would move into this place of when you hear his word that it would actually shake you. That you would be moved into a place of thanks and reverence and worship. I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God made Jesus pay for a crime that he didn't commit so that you didn't have to deal with the punishment of it and you could go free. That does something to the inside of me. I remember what my life was like before Jesus. Do you? Not saying to shake up old things, but I'm saying move into a place of not forgetting that you were once a sinner who Jesus stepped in and completely changed your entire life. And he did all of these things so that you might surrender your heart to God and come into right standing with him. To me, that is love that is unconditional. It's a beautiful thing that God makes his home in our hearts as we trust him. I don't know what lives inside of you. I don't know what you deal with daily, but I know that there is one who is an overcomer, who overcame sin, he overcame the grave, and he overcame death. And he actually desires to make his home right in the middle of who you are, the innermost part of who you are in your heart. It's a beautiful thing to know Jesus. It's a luxury to be called son and to be called daughter of the most high. Amen. I want you to stand with me. And as you stand, I'm gonna share just two more things and then we're gonna pray together. If you would, would you just close your eyes and engage just for a few moments. If he makes his home in your heart, as the scriptures have pointed out to us today, 
What kind of home have you prepared him? Is it a one bedroom with limited access and the closets are off limits to him because you actually don't want the skeletons that might be in them to be exposed by him? What have you prepared for him? How is your heart? Is it hard or is it soft? Can I tell you that he wants to live on the inside of you? You're like, yeah, I I hear what you're saying and I've already made Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior. That's beautiful. That's That's so beautiful. But I believe that coming to Jesus with a heart that says, Jesus, here's more of me, is what he's asking of us. This isn't Jesus save me and then let me walk away. This is Jesus save me. Then teach me your ways that I would walk in them. Change my life so that it looks different the way than the way that I was raised. Jesus, I'm offering you something that is so broken and so humble with the hopes that I never have to live the way that I lived before. That's what he's after today. Revival doesn't happen out here until it happens in here. How well are you stewarding it? And would you open your heart to receive him? If you're in the room and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is the first place to start. If you don't know him and you want to know him, you want to open your heart to him, to ask him to come and reside on the inside of you, would you just simply raise a hand in the room? Say, I just, I see that, man. I just want Jesus to live on the inside of me. I see all of those. Anyone else want to join them? This is a beautiful moment. This is what Jesus came for, to win you back. To come, he came to seek and save that which was lost. So beautiful. Would you just pray this with me? Say, Jesus, right now, I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. And Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God and that you died on the cross for my sins and you were resurrected so that I could be too. Thank you for this new life. I ask you to change me and shift everything about my life. Teach me your ways, Jesus, as I submit myself to you. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Change everything about my life. I am yours, and you are mine. Father, I pray that this word would just continue to resonate on the inside of us. Teach us what it is to come to you in a humble and holy way, and teach us what it is to actually tremble at the fact that you say, I remember your sins no more. Thank you. 
thank you for choosing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that while we were yet still enemies with God, you sent Jesus to die for us. While we were still sinning, you sent your son, your best, your only. Thank you that Jesus, the price that Jesus paid determines our value, not the things that we can do. I pray that this becomes more and more a part of who we are. It becomes more and more the way in which we think that Jesus, you have changed it all. And my only response is to give you more of who I am and reverence and honor, thanks and praise. We pray these things and we thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.